Hey everybody, I'm Father Jacob. And I'm Adam. And this is Chosen, a podcast. Everyone wants to be wanted. People spend their time, their energy, and even their money in pursuit of that deep desire. But what if we told you you've been chosen? That is what this podcast is all about. In this podcast, we will explore the way God seeks and chooses us in our everyday lives. In our vocations, in our relationships, and even our struggles. And by His grace, we will experience the peace that only He can give. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Chosen. Um, I'm Adam Antone, one of the co-hosts, and joining me is... Father Jacob, here I am, everybody. What can I say? Once again, joining us from St. Michael's in Cherville. Yeah, you know, it's been a good week, but, uh, you know, Adam, what's been uh, what's been new with you, man? How's it been going? Pretty good. I can't complain. I um, So, I mean, last episode we heard about my vocation story. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But as, as a component of that, I didn't really talk much about what I do during the day. Right. It's kind of easy to figure out what I do during the day from me, right? I mean, <laughs> That's right. I do priest things. Well, yeah. uh, but priests only work on Sundays, no? That's correct. Six days off. Nice. Yeah. No, anyway, that's a lie. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. So I recently just started up a new job. So I'm pretty excited about that. I uh, So after discerning out of seminary and graduating college, I taught high school for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after teaching high school at a Catholic high school in the diocese theology. Um, I actually served as a director of uh, Catholic campus ministry for Valparaiso University. VU, all right. Yeah, St. Teresa of Avila Catholic Student Center. St. T's, whoop, Little shout out. Oh, there it is. Um, while I was directing campus ministry there, uh-huh. I was pursuing um, a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. Wow. So, um, yeah, it kept me busy. It kept me on my toes during those those three years. Yeah, of, certainly. Uh, I mean, and not to mention as well that the DSM and the DSM five is visible to me right now. It is, yeah. I was working on a few things before we got started. Yeah. But uh, so I graduated and I finished up uh, my time directing campus ministry, and I started up about a month or so ago at Family Concern Counseling in Valparaiso. Okay. So I'm starting to see clients and um, you know working with individuals and going to be starting to work with couples and just again um, wanting to sit and be with people and joyous moments, difficult moments, and just try to be an instrument of, you know, the Lord's peace and healing in their life. Yeah, certainly. And I, you know, I know too, if just in our conversations we had with each other, that, that the place you work for is a Christian endeavor, right? I mean, it's like a Christian back counseling place, right? Yeah, so it is. It's a, it is a faith-based uh, counseling there practice. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. Faith-based. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, to be clear, uh, we see clients who are of no faith as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so we're mm-hmm. not turning anybody away. Um, but it is a good place in the community in Northwest Indiana to where if people are knowing that they want that component to be a part of their um, their counseling process and their walk and their journey, that family concern can be a place for that. Nice. So, yeah, it's it's really great. It's a great place, and I'm I'm liking it. I'm um, learning a lot. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially learning the ropes, it is kind of uh, nice to be alongside someone. Well, of course, myself learning the ropes of priesthood and what that can unfold and look like, but then also as well, a close friend of mine, you know, learning the ropes and reality of what it means to be a counselor, but also as well in married life. So, yeah, learning what it means to be a husband. Man, yeah, man, that's a whole other series right there, isn't that? <laughs> so something we'll dive in at a later time. But really today, Father, um, for our episode... Um, Obviously, the podcast is chosen. Yes, certainly. And so um, the first two episodes were dedicated to our vocation journeys and stories. Mm -hmm. And 
I think that it's always helpful to have a model, right? right? Something to aim for, something or someone to look up to. And uh, in the Catholic faith, obviously, um, there's the Lord Jesus Christ, and um, woo woo. But that's that's a given. But uh, one of the models most clearly held up in our Catholic faith is his mom. Oh, Mary, the Blessed Virgin Mary. Would you say, and that Catholic wor- worshiper, right? Yeah, not so much. No, no, what that's they, wrong. What do they teach in seminary nowadays? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my my ecclesiology, Mariology professor is just like, you know, his blood's curdling right now. That's right. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But um, uh, what can I say? You're ordained now, you know. Yeah, that's it. It's over. No. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, so kind of spending some time today talking about Mary as, if you want to put it this way, the model of what it means to be chosen. Yeah. Um, I mean, particularly well for this time of October when it's the month of the rosary kind of gravitating towards more things Marian and what that means for us in our faith and exactly what you said of how uh, she is the model of chosenness. Yeah. Chosennessness, you know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Call Webster. We got a new word for him. Yeah, we got to figure that one out, or at least I do. Um, But in any case, I think it'd be a good place uh, in this episode, uh, particularly thinking about Mary and her own receptivity and Mm -hmm. what that means for her and, and how that unfolds in her story of her life. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, really, where do you think we should start? Well, you know, I think that uh, w- one of the things as you as you lay that out and, and highlighting Mary's uh, receptivity, um, openness to mm-hmm. the will of will of God in her life, um, you know, what what strikes me is that you know I was reading a book. Um, maybe like a year ago, mm-hmm. um, by a spiritual writer named Carol Hauslander, and mm-hmm. it's called The Read of God. And the, I think my spiritual director recommended it to me and mm-hmm. said, like, this is a good book to read during Advent. Um, oh, there you go. So I was reading it through an Advent, and, and the reason why is because the whole book emphasizes how we, as as Christians, as followers of Christ, we are called, we really share the vocation of Mary. Mm-hmm. And what I mean is the whole premise of the book is saying how we kind of clear ourselves out. We clear out our own personal like attachments, desires, or wants, and we become completely open to however God wants to use us and his grace within us. And that, um, you know, our, our life should be like Mary, an opportunity for our Lord to become incarnate mm. um, in mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. relationships and the work that we do. But that really has its its starting point in being receptive and right. being open to that process. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's kind of like the initial thought that comes to mind. Yeah, I mean, and really in terms of her own receptivity, I mean, it's kind of like her, why she is the model disciple, why, mm-hmm. why she is the model of what it means to be chosen. Uh, and also, I mean, just thinking about her own receptivity, I mean, to, to cooperate with God's plan for us in our own life, I mean... Her, her own plans <laughs> were probably a little taken off track, if I oh, can yeah. fathom. I mean, you know, this young woman from, from Nazareth, she's anticipating a normal married life mm-hmm. with someone that's betrothed, you know, as, as someone who is betrothed to a man in that time, of course, being Joseph. I mean, she's anticipated a normal family life. She's anticipating uh, the possibility to raise children. And then it's it's changed. Yeah. You know, uh 
particularly with the fear and anxiety of all that comes with it. Well, I think that that really underscores, I, I think you're absolutely right. You, you pinpoint the term fear and anxiety that can come with it. You read Luke 1, mm-hmm. and the angel has to reassure Mary not to be afraid. Yeah. And I think about that, uh, and granted, if a, you know, a being from another realm of existence appeared to me, yeah, I... Yeah, I mean, that's a whole other thing. I mean, I guess thinking about the angels in this month of October with the Feast of the Guardian Angels, patrons of the Diocese of Gary, might I add. Shout out. Woo, woo. Connection, a, connections abound. Cathedral of Holy Angels. Anyway, <laughs> um, but I mean, not to mention like these celestial creatures, like you said, they're not the like fluffy things that would appear on greeting cards. Right. You know, like these feathered wings. You know? Right. And so, uh, I mean, there's no doubt that like that was probably pretty startling, but... right. You know, I think, again, we don't worship Mary because Mary right. is human, right? And so I, I can't help but think there's a human element to where Mary, in hearing what the angel is proposing to her, mm-hmm. is realizing that those plans with Joseph, some of those plans that she may have had for her life, are going to look different. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. might need to be let go. And I think that emphasizes uh, an, as- an important aspect of Mary as model of the chosen in that um, chosen does not translate to complacency. Mm, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. when we are called by God, when we are invited by God, it's not just, you know, sit back now and, and everything. It's it's an invitation to, to responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's an invitation to live your life a certain way. Um, which, in first hearing that, it might be like, wow, like that seems kind of intense. But when you... Like, <laughs> Get up and run the other way, kind of thing, yeah, right? But, I mean, yeah. But here, here again, I think we can underscore another important attribute of Mary as a model of the chosen. Like mm-hmm. the context for God's call to her was very ordinary. Yeah, I mean, presumably she's this, uh, you know, young woman, Nazareth. I mean, uh, in the scriptures it says other places like what good can come from yeah, Nazareth, exactly, right? I mean, exactly. There's this kind of this sentiment of Nazareth as not really being the center of much of anything, right? right. Um, and, and particularly the ordinariness of her own life as well. I mean, if, if you can piece apart pieces of the gospel where you examine the life of Joseph and Mary, and there's a little bit of insight into their life depending on like what sacrifices they're bringing to the temple, like their traveling mm-hmm. or their excursions, that they're not really coming from a whole lot of money. Sure. You know, so... And all of that ordinariness of her life. I mean, this lowly one, this poor one, the really unassuming place. I mean, how ordinary can it get, you know? You know, it's really interesting because you read the scriptures and throughout Old Testament, New Testament, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like Moses encountered God on a mountain, right? And there's like this pillar of cloud and Mm -hmm. um, dramatic scene. And then, you know, even... um, in the New Testament, you think about how Zechariah, the um, father of John the Baptist, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that call or that invitation or that um, message from from Gabriel took place in the Holy of Holies in in the temple. And um, but the call to Mary <laughs> uh, about the all powerful God choosing to become one of us mm-hmm. does not happen in a temple. It does not happen on a mountaintop. It happens at her home in Nazareth. Yeah. And so 
and I think you touched on this when you were sharing a little bit about your vocation story. Mm-hmm. You know, this this temptation sometimes to think that, or or search out these very profound moments mm-hmm. to know that God hears me, right. to know that God loves me. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we see in Mary is that God has a an apt tendency to break into the ordinary, mm. and it's His love in that moment that can make it extraordinary. Yeah, and not to mention the temptation that I think we all have in pursuing our own life, in our own vocations, in our own stories, that we're, we're looking to kind of confirm and, like, ratify God's will, like, kind of like a litmus test of, yeah. like, God's will. Like, we're going to hold it up to the light and examine it, and it's like, is this message coming? You know, like, how can I confirm this? Or I feel God's presence in this particular way, and there's kind of, like, I guess, inherent skepticism, Mm -hmm. you know, that can kind of creep into our humanity. But in the life of Mary, I mean, like we've said, this celestial being visits her to bear this message of this reality. And she's just going with it. Yeah. Well, (laughs) you know, and and I think another aspect of, of Mary as an example is she is receptive. Mm hmm. But we also find Mary as inquisitive, too, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. she's willing to to follow up with God. She's willing to ask God, like, well, how can this be? You know, to the angel, how can this be? And right. um, I think that that's another lesson in just in terms of, um, or it demonstrates a comfort and, like, a familiarity mm-hmm. that Mary had with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's something that we can carry even into our own prayer life, you know, as we're living out our vocations, as we're seeking to be uh, children of God, that we are invited to have that that same comfort to be able to ask God the questions, mm-hmm. um, not in a disrespectful way, but in a real way. Yeah, and I mean, throughout the story of, I mean, the entirety of the Bible, I mean, there's this balance between God's transcendence or otherness but then on the other hand, his immediate presence mm. or imminence. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, there's you can, this is like books on this stuff, right? I mean, <laughs> obviously, but I mean, when you think about God and his transcendence and otherness, you think of something like your thoughts are, are, are not my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Your ways are not my ways. You are wholly different from me, what God says in Isaiah. And there's this sense of like God being separated, right? you know, like separate from us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but then in the other sense, too, like in God's imminence, I mean, fully on display in the person of Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, this imminence and immediate presence to his people and like literally healing them, breaking bread. I mean, these very visceral signs. But I mean, not to mention, you look at the Old Testament as well. I mean, there's Psalms that talk about God being like a mother hen mm-hmm. that takes the brood under his wings. So these images aren't just in the New Testament, but right. really of enveloped in the entirety of the scriptures. You yeah, know? absolutely. Um, so, you know, when you think about where we like started in this initial part about saying how ordinary it is, mm-hmm. when we look at what God, you know, how he interacts with us and, you know, all that we were, you were just laying out right there. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. evidence of what the grace of God does in a given moment how like there can be the dynamic of closeness mm-hmm. even as he is transcended, you know, yeah, yeah. like it's, it's really his, um, his power and mm-hmm. his, his grace that transforms that. And I, I think Mary was a person who knew that. I think Mary was a person who, who understood that it might sound kind of funny, yeah. but mm-hmm. 
being chosen mm-hmm. isn't about you. Mm. Quite the opposite of what you'd think in some ways. I mean, you could really, I mean, <laughs> you, you can imagine in, in our humanity of realizing to the caliber and capacity at which Mary was chosen, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, of course, she's, you know, conceived without sin. But just thinking about how tempting for a, a mere mortal, a more human being, you know, that this could be um, really a chance to, you know, take it to the wrong extreme, right? To yeah. really, like, be flashy about it, to hold it in people's faces. But, I mean, instead, it's quite the opposite, right? I mean, <laughs> that's just not who she is. Yeah, Um you know, you, we recognize this immediately as you continue reading into Luke. You know, she says, um, not I'm chosen and mm-hmm. I'm like, I was asked to be the mother of God. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I think that that recognition and alongside the other component she she says at the end of gabriel's visit when mm-hmm. she first mm-hmm. received the news of jesus um being conceived in her she calls herself the handmaid of the lord mm-hmm. and i think that that is a very important component that a lot of spiritual writers have talked about that um we're not chosen for our own sake god doesn't call us or choose us for our own sake we are chosen to help other people to know that they are chosen. So whether that takes uh, shape in the context of priestly ministry, mm-hmm. whether that takes place in the context of, you know, being um, a mom or a dad mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, um, loving your children yeah. uh, or loving one another. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, if you're uh, living the single state, you know, it's being a reflection of, of love and patience in your workplace, uh, in your um, wider family Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that that's a really important lesson that God's choosing us is not about exclusivity at the expense of other people. Mm-hmm. It's about God's choosing us in his love uh, at the invitation to bring in, mm-hmm. at the, in the inclu- inclusion of other people. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you said uh, particularly about the reality of my soul magnifies the Lord, I mean, when you think about married devotion, Marian life, who she is, then I know there's been numerous spiritual writers and spiritual fathers that have talked about how she's the moon mm. and that, that right idea that she is reflecting the light of the sun, right? Literally, the, you know, the son of God, Jesus Christ, but literally that how our moon does not illuminate itself. It doesn't produce its own light, that it's reflecting the light of the sun, you know, which the reflection of the earth gets its phases or whatever. But sure. I mean, I guess we'll have to explore the NASA <laughs> stuff in another that's, podcast, right? That's right. You, you remember from the earlier podcast that I'm not much of a science guy, Father. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to be relying on you more for that. Yeah. You know, I got to say, if I when in, in college, I had the choice between intro biology and then our intro astronomy class. I picked intro to biology mm. for the possibility of being a biochem major, but that was a huge mistake. Yeah. Intro to biology was one of the hardest classes I ever had. What made, what made it hard? Memorizing numerous flashcards of information, different bacteria, different fungi, different organisms, taxonomy was awful. Bacteria, fungi, yeast. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like a slideshow of like a hundred things to memorize by their picture. Hmm. Like in classifying it. Yeah, awful. That, that sounds like one of the upper levels of Dante's hell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It's brutal. 
Yeah, no, definitely not a fond memory. Um, but you know, in any case, when <laughs> we think about things a little more fond, right? Know, like, uh, like Mary. Know, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, there, there's, it's. I think it's quite the temptation, though, when we hear about whether you're reading about like the lives of the saints or the lives of like holy people, mm-hmm. right? Um, or I mean, talking about the life of Mary, it's like, how can this translate into my everyday life? Right. Um, and particularly, like, how does this become ordinary in the sense of, yes, I know Mary is receptive. I know the context of her call is ordinary. And I know that because she showed others that they were chosen, that I'm called to do the same. Mm-hmm. But I mean, really, like, what does this look like in the ordinary life of anyone? Yeah. <laughs> you mean, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I was um, talking with somebody the other day and... Uh, I'm, I'm saying this because this is the first thing that comes to mind, but yeah, uh-huh. uh, in terms of what this could look like mm-hmm. in day-to-day life, mm-hmm. um, focusing in on the last component of Mary as example that you mentioned of, you know, being chosen, not at the expense of others, but in the to the inclusion of others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because really, when you think about it, Mary's yes mm-hmm. was a yes to that impacted all of us, mm-hmm. right? Um, but in either case, uh, that that sense of building up rather than tearing down to be chosen. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were describing what I think is a natural human tendency or experience sometimes. Like if we see somebody who um, we may know, friends close to us, mm-hmm. and they're doing well, mm-hmm. they got a promotion, they um, got good grades, Yeah. Uh, that there's almost like a sense in us to try to pinpoint where they fall short or yeah. like why or try to rationalize to ourselves like why um why they got something and I did not mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um so in short order we're tearing them down in in an effort to build ourselves build up. up yeah exactly yeah. ourselves yeah so i think that a way that we can include um, Mary's example in our day-to-day life mm-hmm. is to push back on those type of tendencies sure. or to, to respond to those a little bit different mm-hmm. um, in our workplace, in our families. And realistically, when you think about it, I've talked to clients about this before, When whenever we're in a situation where we find ourselves tearing others down, mm-hmm. um, there's two things to keep in mind. I mean, one is obviously that's not necessarily going to grow that relationship first and foremost right they Um, probably won't like you very much after that right (laughs) that's a given presumably but number two when you tear another person down the underlying predicate of that is that you're already at that level right so you are assuming that you are at a lower place Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so the 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 need for to like literally feel like you need to lower them to come down to you so you can feel more equal to them in that sense yeah right Mm -hmm. um rather than you know like striving to mm-hmm. um, reach whatever goals we have and grow in whatever virtues. Yeah, I mean, or not to mention, like, acknowledging, too, that, you know, the Lord is going to give gifts, you know, differently to all of us because we're we, you, our unique creation, you know, as beloved sons and daughters. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to rob yourself of joy, if you want to deprive yourself of happiness, then compare yourself to other people, mm. right? I mean, because you're kind of denying this reality of being uniquely who you are. Yeah. Um, and you're denying to be the person of who God is calling you to be. 
So if you want to feel completely without joy, then compare yourself to someone else, right? Yeah, I think, wasn't that, uh, <laughs> I think Padre Pio um, said that comparison is the thief of joy, mm, you know? I can believe that. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a treasure trove of those uh, mm-hmm. little one-liners. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I, I think that's a, a first step relationally mm-hmm. or even, like, in our professional lives. Yeah. Um, when you're feeling that tendency or that need to tear others down, mm-hmm. um, go the extra mile to do something to build them up. Don't be awkward. Right, right, right. Don't, right, like, right. walk into the office and be like, you know, you're such a great worker because <laughs> then you're just being <laughs> awkward. Uh, but, like, making little comments about mm-hmm. their performance that month or the sales that they got, well, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, validating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think Ignatius talks about uh, in his spiritual exercises, you know, that concept of agere contra, you know, like oh. if you're, uh. <laughs> if you're basically the, the, the understanding, like if you're struggling, if you're struggling with something with a vice mm-hmm. and you're wanting to improve that, mm-hmm. you know, don't just stop doing the vice, which can be difficult enough. I know. Right. But go that, give it that extra push, that extra bend the other way. Mm. So that, you know, even if it comes back a little bit, you're still in line. So, um, you know, if you struggle with gossiping, you're speaking badly about people. Mm-hmm. Um, don't just, you know, hold your tongue in from gossiping, but try to speak positive words into their daily life. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, and that's right along with uh, the whole idea of the nature of Loyola. And, I mean, he said similar things in the reality, too, of, like, if you have a temptation to conclude a time of prayer short, then to pray a few minutes beyond that, yeah. right? So perfect example. He's yeah. all about going the extra mile in many different ways. I think we see that on display in Mary as well, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, in the wedding feast at Cana. Yeah. Notice that Mary, uh, it caught Mary's attention before it caught our Lord's attention mm-hmm. that they ran out of wine. Right. And um, she doesn't make a scene. She doesn't go and talk to the apostles about, you know, who planned this thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Instead, she's concerned. And she, mm-hmm. you know, she brings it to our Lord's attention. And um, and so I think that um, that's an example of going the extra mile. Yeah. She didn't just sit back at the wedding and let the wine run out. Mm-hmm. She brought it to our Lord. And so, yeah, going the extra mile. Well, I mean, not to mention, for those of you that might be unfamiliar with this story, I mean, Jesus turning water into wine for the sake of not embarrassing this couple who mm-hmm. had to provide for their party guests in this time in the Gospels and, you know, would have been in first century Judea. But, I mean, in the reality of, you know, not only making the top shelf stuff, that's a key mm-hmm. part to the story, um, but also as well the quantity that he produced in terms of transforming water into wine. This is like the pinnacle of the miracle. But also as well Mary's words, do whatever he tells you. Mm. I mean, that model of obedience to the love of God, to the love of Jesus Christ, to the love of her son, um, to listen to him, to be receptive to him, to be open to him. I mean, this is like the pinnacle of, of her receptivity and obedience as a model of what it means to be chosen. It's almost like do whatever he tells you. It's almost like I picked that for my ordination prayer card. Wow. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Shameless. That's right. If you would like to pick up one of these cards, please stop by the office. <laughs> okay, for real though, like I had ordered 
I think a few thousand of those cards. Wow. Legit, legit. Like, it was a lot. And I mean, this is like pre-COVID, you know, when yeah. I'm preparing for my ordination to the priesthood. And so I got in touch with the graphic designer, designed these cards, find an image on the public domain. So, mm-hmm. you know, she's not getting sued by someone for right. using a picture of Mary that they shouldn't or something, right? That wouldn't be nice. No, yeah. I mean, well, not to mention on the reverse side, Thomas Aquinas, obedience to all things in Christ, you know, uh, <laughs> well, you know, whatever, shameless. Uh, but uh, so I ordered a bunch of these cards because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm going to have a first mass. I'm going to have a mass at these different places and these parishes. People love me. Yes. They want to pray for me. I'm sending hundreds of invitations, <laughs> hundreds. I mean, people are chosen to the, come to this. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Elevate. I don't, elevate. Even, yeah. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Something about not being about you, I guess, is what you should respond, right? <laughs> um, but for real, like, so with COVID and everything being a little altered for my dinner and ordination and celebrations, I got like a thousand of those cards, I think, left in wow. box. So, Well, it's interesting, you know, you highlight the, the holy cards. So Molly and I, uh, this mm-hmm. is something that you know, but I don't know if our listeners do. Yeah, uh, We were scheduled to get married on April 18th. Uh, and, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. COVID yeah, hit, yeah. and uh, that was just not going to happen. And that became very <laughs> clear very soon. And um, so we ended up getting married in March. Mm-hmm. Father Kevin Huber, shout mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the celebrant. And so we ended up getting married the day before the state of Indiana closed. So, um, Man. but leading up to the wedding, mm-hmm. we were like, you know, it'd be really nice uh, if we got some holy cards. With our wedding date on it, <laughs> with a prayer for family life, oh. and so we ordered them. It's got the holy family on the front, and um, they're just sitting in a box in our closet, just as a constant reminder of what was not. <laughs> Hundreds of cards of the wrong date, right? But again, Mary's that example. We could look at our plans changing and say, "Be sad by that," <laughs> or we can see how the Lord worked in our life. Man, man, that is a nice segue. I mean, really. <laughs> And I mean, but really though, I mean, just kind of thinking about the just the the craziness of the times that we live in mm-hmm. terms of still, you know, there's a there's a temptation I think to soften to the restrictions and rules of the pandemic that we're in. Um, me being ordained in the midst of the height of it, mm-hmm. and also you as well. I mean, really more so being married in the height of it. Yeah. I mean, right on the verge of everything closing, all that insecurity, anxiety, mm-hmm. fear. Um, but the opportunity to engage in that, nonetheless, to enter into it and to really hear and live out the Lord's call in the midst of it, you know? I think, you know, yeah, responding amidst the uh, uncertainty, I think that you, when you read the gospel account in Luke uh, in the Annunciation, Mary is not giving, given a blueprint mm-hmm. as to what the re- the rest of her life would unfold like. Um, she in the midst of whatever questions she might have or uncertainty she might have, she still responds, yes. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, like, in, in exactly what you were saying, where we find ourselves today, whether we're concerned about how family is going to, you know, live or respond amidst the COVID situation, mm-hmm. um, how we're going to be doing in our workplace, you know, going to Mass again, like, yeah, yeah. having Mary as the model of, of saying, yes, like I will step out into that unknown, mm-hmm. trusting that mm-hmm. because I'm a chosen one of the Father, because he loves me, because I'm his son or daughter, yes. he will not let me fall. 
Yeah, and I'm really just going into that full force and diving into the Lord's arms and that place of trust. But not to mention, though, as well, I mean, if you're coming from a place of prudence or intelligence, then, you know, you're going to adhere to, like, you know, what the government is asking of you if Mm -hmm. it's not contrary to the gospel. So, you know, just because, or for that matter, what the church has asked of us or the bishops have asked of us in, you know, respecting social distancing, masking mm-hmm. at the inside of buildings, or being cognizant of if we have a fever, then not to go into sure. a crowded place. So there's a certain sense of, you know, wanting to live into the, the Lord's will and trust, but that does not necessarily mean that we just, like, lose any sense of, uh, you know, respect of authority or obedience no. <laughs> to yeah. them, or, or for that matter, being having a little common sense and how to live out, how to live out in that way. Yeah, you know? <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, as we're talking about Mary and, and we're talking about even the COVID situation, I'm thinking about mm-hmm. at, at the period when we were in that space of lockdown and how difficult that was because a lot of people were feeling isolated. Yeah. You know, I know that there was some, some clients that I came in and said, when the state shut down, I shut down, you know, yeah. and, mm-hmm. So that isolation, and I think, you know, this is another place where Mary becomes a model because uh, in the visitation, mm-hmm. um, you know, again, that's another example where she's communicating to Elizabeth, maybe not explicitly according to the Gospels, but she's wanting to share her chosenness with yeah. her and yeah. realizing that this is for mm-hmm. for everybody. And Elizabeth realizes that. And, um, and so responding to our call, mm-hmm. be it to priesthood, to married life, mm-hmm. to whatever our vocation, r- responding in that call together. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Not siloed, not like um, exclusively, but in community. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we even see that in the context of the Old Testament with the, the nation of Israel, the chosen people. It was in the, the community that they were called. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. being, being a source of encouragement to one another mm-hmm. uh, in responding to their vocations and and in striving to live up to the responsibilities of being a son and daughter of God. Yeah, and I mean, I mean thinking about that that attitude and idea of encouragement. I mean, if you're noticing a couple that is you know approaching maybe a period where they're about to be engaged or maybe they're in marriage prep. I mean, really encouraging them and praying for them to pursue wholeheartedly like mm-hmm. their vocation, their life together and, and living that out in a way that, you know, also is keeping in mind of teachings of the church and when they fall to come back, mm-hmm. you know, and to attend mass. I mean, all his realities are crucial uh, to the life of a couple in the context of marriage. But I mean, not to mention as well, if you see someone that is contemplating giving themselves in a life of vocation to the church, whether that could be in the religious life um, or, you know, for men or women or in the context of the priesthood uh, for men, however that can unfold and look. I mean, how important it is to encourage and pray for people Mm -hmm. um, and our young adults and our young people to be open uh, to what the Lord has in store uh, I think about, like, in terms of priestly vocations, it's been thrown around in multiple different uh, discernment circles or what it means to pursue a vocation in service of the church. Um, that, you know, we, we it's not a matter of, like, compelling or forcing people into mm. their vocation or, like, convincing them or, like, trying to sell them the vocation, like, insurance sales or something <laughs> like that. But, I mean, really, 
rather seeing what it means to live out a holy life Mm -hmm. in terms of whatever vocation that could be and putting that on display for other people to think I could do that or I would desire that whether that's a holy marriage or holy priesthood or holy religious or a holy single life Mm -hmm. whatever it is I mean that's really the apex of what this is right I mean and I think that kind of brings a little bit full circle to you know what I had first mentioned at the start of the podcast about Carol Carol Hauslander's uh idea that we share the vocation of Mary mm-hmm. and you know part of part of Mary's role and vocation is that she is a model right she's an example and I think that you know our Lord looks to us and he invites us to be the same mm-hmm. you know and I mm-hmm. think that's really what you're you're speaking to when you say you know um, encouraging be it couples or people in formation discernment part of encouraging them is by living your vocation joyfully and mm-hmm. living it well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's another way that, again, uh, seeing Mary as an example of inviting us to be models. You know, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. Um, obviously we're not going to be necessarily to the degree or level of her, right. but to nonetheless submit ourselves mm-hmm. each day to his grace, the grace which she was full of, we're mm-hmm. not necessarily, but we yeah. still have a share in that and a participation in that same grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, really what's going to sell the idea of, and in the sell in the sense of like convince, not literally sell, but sell the idea <laughs> Yeah, of, we're, not, yeah. we're not selling the yeah. you know, indulgences and all that <laughs> stuff. No, 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 that was long ago. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the idea of being able to sell like a vocation to the priesthood or mm-hmm. a vocation to the married life, um, I mean, it's going to be, totally unconvincing Mm -hmm. if people have experienced you know like the opposite of joy in terms of whether it's the priesthood or whether you've been exposed to a marriage in your own life that didn't display like if it's your parents or whatever it may be that didn't display that fullness of joy um and then that can be hard for people to overcome that you know yeah well i think yeah joy is is the telltale sign of um living out our, our vocation and, and living in, in the grace of God. I think, you know, we were talking about the wedding feast at Cana, mm-hmm. you know, maybe something that we don't think about all the time, but Mary was invited to a party. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I know that when we were preparing our, our wedding invite list, uh-huh. our thought wasn't, who are some boring and like mean and annoying people that we can invite to this wedding? Like, no, you, you invite people who you know, yeah. are joyful, who you know are just examples of love and support. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm, you know, like, mm-hmm. so Mary was that way, clearly. Yeah, right. And we should be the same. Yeah. Uh, you know. So Yeah, if we're not going to model that, then, I mean, I, I joke around with some of the parishioners here at St. Michael's or, you know, like, friends from college or whatever that, you know, in my first few months of priesthood, like, if I'm not enjoying the things that a priest should be doing or does, then, like, what's wrong with me yeah. like what's going on you know if I, I joke around like if i don't like there's a lot of people that are always just very grateful about like whether a priest is visiting their loved one in the hospital mm-hmm. or like thankful for coming to anoint their loved one as they're as they're dying and it's like you know my friend if i don't enjoy these moments of being able to serve the people of god in this way mm-hmm. so early on i mean granted there's going to be ebbs and flows in any vocation right but I mean, if I don't enjoy it in the first few months of ordination, then like, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
So, and I mean, similarly too, I mean, there's going to be ups and downs in any married couple's life, right? But, you know. You know, we were speaking a little bit to the ordinariness Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. earlier. And people, after we, Molly and I got married, would ask us, and actually, Father, if I remember correctly, you were one of those people. Yeah, that might have been me, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they come up to you and they're just like, how's married life? Is it absolutely awesome? You know? And like, obviously, when you're when you're given a question like that, you don't know if you can match that level of enthusiasm. But, you know, clearly, it, it's a gift in my life, my vocation to, to love and serve Molly. And, um, but honestly, the word that comes to mind oftentimes mm-hmm. is it's, it's ordinary. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, we we got married and then, well, granted, I mean, the state was shut down. So that's kind right, of a right. little I mean, caveat. Yeah. yeah. Circumvent the ordinary. Not, but yeah. You know, not right. get hung up on the details. But yeah. Um, Honeymoon to Rome canceled, whatever. Yeah. yeah. That just crumbled. We'll yeah. get to that yeah. some other time. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like, yeah, we, we continued living our lives, but we did so together. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. share meals. Mm-hmm. We watch Netflix. We pray together. Like, it, but it's, it's, you know, again, looking to Mary as an example, it's finding the grace and beauty mm-hmm, and the joy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in those ordinary moments together. Yeah, amen. I mean, I'm thinking about the first few months of priesthood as well. I mean, certainly there are moments that where you enter into incredible grace and you realize it, that you're entering into it. But then as well, like there's a, the one of the formators in the seminary described it as when he was living in the suburbs of Chicago, just mm-hmm. like the ordinary gray houses and mm-hmm. the ordinary gray, you know, like parish, you know, in the sense yeah. of not that it's anything bad, but there is a painful ordinariness at times to life, right? I mean, it just is ordinary. It is what it is. Especially you know? when fantasy football is canceled. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I lost out <laughs> on a few leagues this year, but uh, what can you do? But... We, all, we all have our crosses to bear, I suppose. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm still in one league and I'm uh, two in one. So, uh, nice. you know, what can you do? Nice. But, uh yeah, so uh, I think that's about all the time we have here for the week, huh? Yeah, I think so. It's been a pleasure talking about Our Lady. And, can, you know, we just want to encourage you to, to turn to her um, as someone who um, is a model of what does it mean to be chosen. And, uh, Father, what were those principles again of Mary as model? Yeah, you know, particularly that she is open and receptive to the will of God in her life, that the context of the call that she experienced in her own call to live the way she did was ordinary. And also as well that she was called to lead others to their own chosen state. As she was chosen, that, um, you know, she was to lead others to that reality for themselves as well. Amen. So with that, I think we'll wrap it up for the week, huh? Sounds good. All right. God bless, my friends. Talk to you soon. God bless.